It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Sunday, July 4th here in 2021, and this is Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of your Boston Celtics. Episode 415, featuring me, Evan Valenti, is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today, use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. Welcome in, everybody. Happy 4th of July from me and everybody else here at CLNS Media. Evan Valenti coming at you here on this Sunday. And just a little, you know, behind the curtain, so to speak, of of what's going on here. Adam had a nice vacation, you know, this week, took the week off. Well-deserved, by the way. Uh, Glad he got away a little bit and was able to recharge the batteries a little bit. And I was going to have a guest on this week, uh, but considering some, uh, some sickness, uh, with said guest, we'll have her on uh, some other time. But I figured instead of asking someone today to take some time on 4th of July to help me record a podcast, I figured I'd just come at you real quick with some thoughts. Because, look, I used to host this show solo back in the day, a couple of years ago, before Adam got here. Sometimes it would just be me, you know, I took over for Larry. So now uh, getting back to my roots, so to speak, a lot to cover here on today's show. And I want to start with this, okay? One of my – my favorite guy sometimes is Colin Coward. I really enjoy some of his stuff, and I, I enjoy his football stuff primarily. Sometimes the basketball, I think Colin is you know, a little too hot takey for me and, and panders to, like, the L.A. Lakers a little bit too much. But he said something the other day, I think, on his show that I found kind of interesting. He said that the NBA is no longer a five-year league. It's now a year-to-year league, meaning, like, you can't really sit and wait and develop guys you have to compete now, and if you don't win now, next year has to be a win-now year. Okay, You have to go for it every single year. You have no room to wait around. And this is really in reference to the Lakers trading Anthony Davis for Damian Lillard of the Blazers, right? You know, look, LeBron doesn't have a huge window left. We all know this, right? You're trying to maximize what you have with this version of LeBron. You know, LeBron's a freak of nature, Okay, so it's one of these things where, you know, at some point, I think the wheels are going to fall off on LeBron. Uh, it just hasn't come yet. All right. But eventually, like, he will slow down. He won't be a, a top five player in the NBA at some point. But while he is, you need to maximize what he has. And, and, and Coward made some good points about having Damian Lillard sub in for Anthony Davis. He's more reliable. He doesn't get hurt. I think, I think Coward at the stat that Anthony Davis got, has got hurt more this year, missed more games this year due to injury, then Damon Lillard has missed his entire career. Pretty unbelievable. 
But that makes sense when you're a team like the Lakers, again, trying to maximize LeBron's window. How do you surround LeBron with the right talent to give him another shot at the NBA title? Now, getting Anthony Davis, no question, is a way to do that. Okay? Uh, they won one just last year with Anthony Davis the centerpiece. Now, Davis gets hurt quite often, and that's where that this little mix-up comes in. You go swap him out for Damian Lillard. You've gotten smaller, but you add something that's just a little bit more reliable. Okay, this makes sense to the Lakers. It makes sense for a team like the Brooklyn Nets, who just, you know, have gotten James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving all under contract at the same time. You have three guys, again, who are, you know, getting up there a little bit. Durant, obviously, with the Achilles injury, looked tremendous this year. He was unbelievable in the playoffs. But, again, he's going to eventually hit a downslide. You know, Harden, same, you know, same idea there. And Kyrie, who knows with Kyrie? I'm not going to go into that. Uh, but you never know with where his head's at and, and, and what he's going to be able to do and perform on the basketball court. So I understand the Nets are a team that can't really live in the five-year window plan. They have to live year to year, and it makes a lot of sense. They would have waxed everybody this year if they were healthy at the end of the year, just by the way. So you have a, a team like that. You have a team like uh, the Golden State Warriors probably have to live a little bit like that. Like, you know, how how much does Curry – how long can Curry do this, Right. You have Clay Thompson coming back. We haven't seen what he looks like yet. You have Draymond, like that core. That core is getting up there. We got to find a way to maximize that window. Same with the Clippers, Kawhi and Paul George, right? They have to live year to year. And what I think is very interesting because this new wave of superstar is coming, right? The Jason Tatums, the Luka Doncic's, the Trey Youngs, Devin Booker. I mean, there's a young core ready to take over this league. And it'll be interesting to watch a transition kind of happen, right? And one of the older superstars like LeBron and uh, where do they go when it, you know, where do they go to, to, to latch on to some young guy to, to get one more shot of the ring? I, I can't wait personally to see that, but I don't think Colin Coward is necessarily correct about that when it comes to every single team, right? Not every team has to act like that. Like the, the Atlanta Hawks don't have to do that at all. The Hawks just got to the Eastern conference finals, much like the Celtics, by the way, just got to the Eastern conference finals. Okay, with a young core, Trey Young, obviously at the head of it. You have, you know, DeAndre Hunter who missed time. You have uh, a young guy in uh, John Collins who we'll see what they do there, right? Uh, you have Cam Reddish, again, a young core with Nate McMillan that has achieved a lot. They don't really have to go all in right now, right? They have time to develop guys. Same thing with Memphis, right? Memphis has Ja Morant. We don't know what Ja totally is yet, right? You have, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., Love to see when he'd be healthy, what that team looks like, right? You don't have to push all the chips into the middle all the time if you're a team like Memphis, if you're a team like Atlanta, right? Some of these younger teams, like in New Orleans, like a Dallas, who's had some dysfunction, you know, they might want to think about making some drastic moves to appease their young superstars and Luca and Zion. But what I'm getting at is this. I don't think Boston is necessarily in that same category as the Lakers, the Clippers, right, the, the Warriors. And maybe they're not necessarily in the same class as the Hawks because Boston's achieved a little bit here, right? They went to the Eastern Conference Finals three out of the past four years. I've heard that's that a bunch, right? They're still very young. They still have a young core at, at, at the heart of this whole thing. Tatum, 23, Brown, 24, okay? Tatum's in turn 24 until March. Does this team really have to go all in right now? Is that what they have to do, or can they continue to make, inc- you know, small improvements over the next year 
and see where they're at the end of this thing. I mean, look at Jason Tatum, 23 years old, had four 40-point games in the last 20 days of the season. It's pretty remarkable, right? He just keeps getting better every single year, okay? This isn't, again, this isn't the Pelicans. It's not the Mavs. The Mavs who've had total upheaval in their front office. They have a new head coach, a bunch of stuff. Zion's on his third coach in three years, okay? Now, Boston just made a change to their their coaching staff. They've made a change to the front office. A lot of people, including myself, thought it was, you know, somewhat time for a change, although I think, I think you know, Brad, I was a little less harsh on Brad than other people were this year, and I'm fine with that. But a time for a change. We've had a lot of people on this show. I'm on the show and echo the, the, the sentiment, I mean, Gary Washburn probably being the loudest of, like, this team needs fresh faces, fresh blood, and Boston's in the middle of doing that. This team isn't nearly as dysfunctional as some of the others, right? They have stability. They like loyalty. I mean, Wick and his crew – are really adamant about having the same voices echo throughout. Now, again, they got rid of Danny Ainge. Oh, Danny retired. Should actually qualify that a little bit differently. Danny retired, right? Brad elevates. They bring in Udoka, and life's going to be a little bit different. Different guys on the bench, uh, different guys probably in the front offices. That continues to change over the next couple of months. We'll see what it looks like at the end. But I believe that Boston has the ability to wait a little bit and see. I know they've had some success and some good success over these years, but they don't have to panic trade right now. They don't have to. Yes, they have to compete with the Brooklyn Nets, no question. But, again, let's be honest. Is there a trade Boston can make right now to give them a a leg up on the Nets that it has to do with the Nets getting hurt? Think about that honestly. Is there a way like Boston could trade for Brad Beal and have Beal, Tatum, and Brown? Like, is that realistic? I don't know, unless Beal asks out that particular way. At least like, oh, well, they're going to go to Boston. Like, okay, then that makes, that makes it a little more difficult for Washington to do anything of value, right? But that's really the only thing that's going to really elevate them to that status. I mean, look, I love the Celtics. I think all of us listen to this podcast do. But I think you're kidding yourself if you think they have enough talent to go against the Nets right now. We'll see how the bench, you know, uh, you know rounds into form, and we'll see what, you know, Brooklyn looks like next year. But Brooklyn is the team that you were chasing. And they would have been the NBA champs this year if they didn't get hurt or if even if that, right, even if, if Durant's foot's behind the line against the Bucks in game seven, do you think they beat the Hawks, go to the NBA finals, Durant literally by himself essentially? Yeah, I think it's possible. So, again, I think you have some room to make up there. And I don't think you have to panic trade right now and live in from the year to year. You have some time to develop, which brings me – to some rumors about Jalen Brown. Okay. Now Jalen Brown has been thrown around in trade rumors forever. I mean, you go back to the Jimmy Butler stuff, the uh, Paul George stuff where, you know, it seems like a Brooklyn picks going or whatever. Jalen Brown, essentially, whether as a draft pick or as an actual player has been involved with trades, seems like forever at this point, right? Mannix, Chris Mannix, of course, of Sports Illustrated has been on this show a few times, came up the other day on NBC Sports Boston said, basically, you know, I could see the Celtics trading Jalen Brown for a Damian Lillard or a Bradley Beal. Okay. And look, Brad, Jalen Brown is an excellent piece in a trade if you want to obtain either of those guys. All right. Both of those guys are next level scorers. We all know this. Damian Lillard is really breathtaking. Uh, Brad Beal, you know, is close to the league leader in scoring, you know, pretty much every single year at this point. And both those guys, alongside Jason Tatum, I think are interesting ideas, right? It gives Jason, who again took 
the blunt of the offensive responsibility uh, in the ent- again, the entire net series, because he was the only guy out there really capable of getting his own shot, whatever he wanted. Right. Uh, you know, I'll give Kemba a little bit, I guess, but you know, it was really the Jason Tatum show and I enjoyed every second of it. It would give Tatum a little bit of a break on that end. Right. No question, either Dame or Beal. But if you're trading for Damian Lillard, I feel like that's a win-now move that Boston doesn't really need to make right now. And I'm not going to sit here and slander Dame Lillard. It's not what's happening. Damian Lillard, again, is breathtaking on the basketball court. When you hear, like, if you're, you have, like, an NBA group text or whatever thread that you have, and somebody's like, hey, Dame Lillard, heat check game. Yeah, it's much CTV, no question about it. He would be the best point guard on the Celtics in the, in the modern era of the Celtics uh, it, since, I don't know, you, you go it, beyond Rondo for sure. No question about it. Dame is literally breathtaking. He's, he can make any shot in the court at any time. Uh, he's clutch as hell. Uh, he's had playoff proven experience. He's an amazing player by all means. Okay. But I'll be honest with you. He handicaps your financial flexibility down the road as his cap hit goes from 39 million this year to 49 million in 2024. That makes building your team a little bit more difficult. Now you have Jason Tatum and Damian Lillard. It's like, dude, how much do you have to do? Well, you know, the bench matters. And like, as we found out with smaller point guards in the Celtics, they're a little bit more injury prone the longer the season goes and the older they get. And I'm just, again, Dame has not been hurt uh, that much throughout his career, but you know, that fear after watching Kyrie get hurt, after watching Kemba Walker get hurt, you know, that's got to be at least in the back of your mind, watching Isaiah Thomas get hurt. I mean, how many small guards the Celtics need to get hurt before we have it like a, man, maybe we, maybe the Celtics should invest in a smaller guard. And if they do, not a huge number uh, on your cap sheet, right? It's hard to fill out the rest, rest of the roster when Tatum and, 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 and Lillard would be making close to $80 million, uh, you know, in one year. Caps would go up, but how much? I don't have the answer to that. Smarter people do listen to them instead of listening to me. So, again, I like Damian Lillard. There's no question. I love him. He's fun to watch. Would it be fun to watch in the Celtics? Absolutely. Would I talk myself into it if they traded for him? No question. I would flip like that. and say, oh, yeah. Willard, let's go. This is going to be fantastic. But in my opinion, I would not trade Jalen Brown for Damian Lillard. Again, Beal, another unbelievable scorer, happens to be Jason Tatum's like best friend of the NBA, right? Beal, a little bit younger, a little less expensive than Dame, but there's a contract extension coming up that's going to get him way up there with Dame. There's an obvious attraction there. Uh, but again, I if you're giving up Jalen Brown for Bradley Beal, you got to know, one, that Beal is going to lock in an extension, basically. Two, this gives you, you know, some some time with Jason Tatum in terms of like, hey, we're getting your friends here. We're building a team around you that you would like, you know. And don't get me started on the whole Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum aren't friends thing off the court. And I and look, I got a new Lou Marloni a little bit over uh, a couple of weeks ago about this. Look, and and they don't have to be best friends. But, like, they're clearly friendly on the court and off the court. I mean, didn't Jalen the other day say that his, like, brother watches Deuce sometimes or, like, some family relative watches Deuce, like, when they need him to? Like, let's get let's get a little bit, you know, uh, at least it's going to the same page here when it comes to the Brown and Jalen, the Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum relationship. They're friends. They're not best of friends. That doesn't matter. They're just as long as their on-court relationship stays great, I'm okay with that. But when you trade for Brad Beal, 
you have to know that those two guys can at least get you closer to the KD, Harden, Kyrie, Brooklyn Nets. Does it do that? I don't know. Probably you can go toe-to-toe with them scoring-wise. Both of them are averaging 30 a game. But I don't know if that brings you that much closer, okay? I think there are people out there, too, that believe that you can add Beal to Tatum and Brown. You can have all three, which would give you a legit shot at Brooklyn, which would make you one of the top teams in the NBA. But I don't seem to prescribe to that, you know, that subscribe to that theory that you're going to be able to get all those three guys under the same, you know, cap structure. That's just me. We'll see how it plays out. Obviously, if, if that were to happen, I think people would have a party in the streets, right? It, people want to get hyped up about that. That's fine. But I'm still very pro hold on to Jalen Brown instead of trading him for a Damian Lillard and instead of trading him for a Bradley Beal, okay? His contract is much friendlier than both of those guys. Tops out at $30 million in one year in 2023 and 2024. Okay, just for reference here, by the way, Ben Simmons is going to get $37 million that year, and we're not quite sure if Ben Simmons is going to afford to close playoff games. Okay, that's bad. Jalen Brown continues to get better every single year. Okay, he's not a finished product yet. Everybody wants to act like Tatum and Brown because they've had so much success in the playoffs that they're, like, done as prospects. No, they are clearly not. Drew Hanlon said the other day, uh, to, to, again, another friend of the show, Mark Murphy, the Boston Herald, that he wants Tatum to work on getting to the free throw line more this offseason, which is uh, yeah, music to my ears. But those guys still have ways to go. I'm still in the let's wait and see what Jalen Brown does and looks like this upcoming season. Right, because it's pretty obvious he played through some some injuries this past year. A lot of people did, right? It was like the most injury-prone year in the history of basketball from what it felt like from from my standpoint. You know, Jalen got surgery in the offseason, a little knee tendonitis, which he's going to have to manage throughout the rest of his career. But I want to see what Jalen Brown looks like next year. I want to see him under a new head coach and a new bench and how he elevates his game and who he trains with in the offseason. I mean, like, when the videos of him and T-Mac come out, of those two guys training together, like my eyes get big, like as a nineties basketball fan, I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I want to see. Jalen Brown training with like one of my favorite non Celtics in the history of basketball. This is amazing. Again, new head coach, new bench an off an actual off season where guys will be able to work on stuff, right? You had the truncated off season last year where, you know, the, the seeds get done in you know, uh, well, August, September, then all of a sudden they're playing, a little bit, you know, uh, in, in December, like they don't have a full off season to really rest their bodies, recover, and then work like they need to work and train like they need to train to get better, to get stronger, to get faster, to get better at shooting all these things. And I would bet that Brown is going to get better. And I would take that bet in terms of like, I would rather see that than panic trade for a Brad Beal right now, or a Damon Hood right now. Let's see what it looks like in this this upcoming season. I mean, we know Beal's not really going anywhere because he never wants to go anywhere. He's very, very loyal to that franchise. And Dame, yeah, he's asked out a little bit. We're not totally quite sure exactly what that's going to look like if he does fully ask out. I mean, the the reports, of course, Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports, you know, illustrates a picture that maybe Dame isn't so happy with what's going on. But I don't think you need to panic trade for Dame right now. Although Jalen Brown made a great piece. And as Brad Beal to me a little bit more attractive, I at least want to see what Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum look like under a new head coach with a full off season. I think it could be really interesting. Okay. So I, I would rather keep Jalen Brown than trade him. I think it's a little too bold for my blood 
as of this moment. But again, we'll see what happens in the upcoming uh, off season here as we get closer to Team USA Basketball, Summer League, and all those things. Before we keep talking about trades, I'll get to you guys. Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to bet on all your sports action. Football is over, coming back shortly, obviously. NHL, NBA, in the final stage. Stanley Cup playoffs, of course, it's like, you know, Tampa Bay is probably going to cruise to that one. And, of course, the NBA Finals is coming up. Plenty of baseball left as well as we get through the regular season. With home and Derby coming up. All-star break, trade deadline. Then we get to the the, uh, the beautiful part of, you know, contention season in baseball. But the NBA title, the NBA championship starts. The NBA Finals starts July 6th. That's a Tuesday. Suns and Bucks, folks, if you had that parlay, congratulations. You've probably done very well. I'm sure your bank account's looking solid right now. As we give you the title odds, though, Suns minus 180 bucks plus 160. You know, that's probably just because we have no idea what Giannis is going to look like as these finals start. The Suns are relatively healthy right now. And how do you not take the Suns, right? Chris Paul playing at an elite level. Booker, you know, he can shoot the, the hell out of the basketball. DeAndre Ayton, they have a great surrounding cast. Jay Crowder, of course, is a fun storyline for Celtics fans to watch that. I love the Suns. The Bubble Suns, who went 8-0 in the bubble last year in the NBA Finals this year. It's amazing. NBA Finals MVP odds are up to Chris Paul, plus 150. Devin Booker, plus 210. Giannis becomes back, plus 350. But I'll give you two that I like that are a little bit further down the rung here. If Giannis doesn't come back and somehow the Bucks win the NBA Finals, Chris Middleton at plus 550 looks pretty juicy to me. Like, Are the Bucks going to win the NBA Finals without Giannis and Middleton's not going to go off? feel like that's a solid slam dunk. <coughs> Excuse me. And I'm going to give you a real dark horse right here. DeAndre Ayton plus 2,800. I can see Ayton averaging like 20 and 15, something like that in the series and being just a stat monster and finding a way to take the NBA, uh, NBA Finals MVP trophy home. No question about it. Plus 2,100, it's great odds. Plus their NBA draft props as well. Cade Cunningham, minus uh, 2,500. It's going to number one overall in the draft. Okay, obviously those are terrible odds. Uh, If you bet on that, you're probably some sort of money laundering scheme. Uh, Mobley, Evan Mobley, USC, he's plus 1,000. So is Jalen Green. If I had a bet on this, and I probably won't because I feel like you're throwing money away, I think it's going to be Cade Cunningham number one. But if you're going to, I think Jalen Green is the safer pick over Evan Mobley, in my opinion, okay? So keep look at that. As we get closer to the draft, there'll be more draft props. Right now, Kate coming in, minus 2,500 to go, number one. Bet online is covered for all the news, scores, and odds. The best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Again, go to betonline.ag today. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code, CLNS50. To receive a 50% welcome bonus to your first deposit. Again, that promo code is CLNS50. You bet online, you're online sportsbook experts. Evan Valenti solo here on a Fourth uh, of July, a Sunday. Hopefully it's sunny wherever you are listening to this show. Uh, it's not in the Berkshires right now, but let's hope for maybe some clear skies later on. But want to get to more trade talk with the Celtics because that's always the fun part of the offseason, right? We talked about the Celtics trading for Jalen Brown or trading Jalen Brown for Dane Lillard or for Bradley Beal. I say no right now. And I'm sure I'm going to get clowned in the uh, comment section of this video by people flooding it with that. You have to absolutely make that trade. 
sound off in the comment section, by the way, if you think they should and give me some reasons why. Um, but the other thing that's come up recently is this idea of trading Kemba Walker too early. Zach Lowe, of course, of ESPN. Uh, so the LA teams, Clippers and Lakers, might be sniffing around Kemba Walker this offseason, maybe the midseason. And you know, the idea now is that they trade Kemba Walker too soon, right? First off, let's acknowledge here, Boston is probably not trading with the Lakers. They've only done it three times in the history of the league together, I think once in 97, uh, 77, and then maybe once in the 80s, once in the 90s. Uh, it's been a while since they've done it, maybe twice in the 90s, because there was the Rick Fox trade, and then there's a you know a Chucky Atkins trade. It's, I think it's a little bit earlier than that. But there's been three trades in the Lakers and the Celtics in the history of their franchise, okay? Also, if you're trading Kemba to the Lakers, who do you want off the Lakers? Is it a sign-in trade for Dennis Schroeder? So you're paying Schroeder a ton of money a year? Like, who do you actually want off the Lakers that's not named LeBron James or Anthony Davis? Uh, you're not because you're not getting either of those guys, obviously, for Kemba Walker. Like, I've clowned on Kyle Kuzma too much to advocate for a Kyle Kuzma trade, although part of me actually would kind of really enjoy the Celtics like winning an NBA title with Kyle Kuzma as a rotational piece just to stick it to Lakers fans. But like, look, I, I, I'm not a huge Kuzma fan. I know Caruso, like, what, what are they going to trade for the Lakers for? Like, there's just nothing really there. I don't think Kemba Walker totally gives the Lakers a slam dunk home run trade either. I think they're like, let's wait and see and we'll see what Kemba looks like, you know, on Oklahoma City that maybe if he looks like the old Kemba, maybe that's when they make the trade. I don't think they're going to trade for Kemba Walker in the offseason. I think it's a midseason sort of thing. And the Clippers side of things, right? What does that return look like? A Morris and Beverly return to Boston for Kemba Walker? Is that what that looks like? And we all know, you know, Marcus Morris played for the Celtics and was a clutch contributor at times, a frustrating one at, at others. We know that some of the team likes him at least, right? He holds people accountable. That's fun. Um, you know, the Morris thing is, is okay. Then, you know, we have Patrick Beverly who combined with Marcus Smart. I mean, those guys aren't lights out shooters, although Beverly's not terrible, you know, trending, you know, as he's gotten older up to the, you know, 38, 39, 40% from three over the past couple of years, Marcus obviously has gotten better. You know, Marcus is a better initiator. There'd be a great defensive backcourt, but I mean, that's just, you have a lot of, you know, smaller guys there. You don't have a lot of size, right? Your only big guys at that point would be Tristan Thompson and and Rob Williams. And Rob Williams, obviously, would be careful with the injury stuff. And then you have, uh, you know, Tristan Thompson, who, you know, on some days is really great and it gives you that hustle and energy they need. And other days he's extremely frustrated because he just has no idea that after he gets an offensive rebound, he doesn't have to immediately shoot it. He can kick it out to somebody else. So um, I would, I, I get the idea of trading him to, to the Clippers because the Clippers are going to be in win now mode, as we talked about at the beginning of the show. Right. But I do think, look, it might've been a little early, right. It might've been, you know, Oh, survey the landscape, see what happens after the NBA finals. Maybe somebody will panic trade or you know, maybe there's something else out there. And as other people have theorized, like maybe Boston, you know, it doesn't like anybody in this class, although they've they've done some some homework on some guys that are in the lottery range, which makes me question some things a little bit. I mean, they've interviewed a couple of guys that they have no chance of drafting. I mean, zero percent chance of drafting unless they move up into the lottery somehow. Um, but I think Boston understood that, hey, we you know, we really can't afford to have another young guy in this roster, uh, especially with all the youth that we already have in this roster. We have Romeo Langford and we have 
Aaron Neesmith, and we have Peyton Pritchard. We have to play those guys because those guys actually look like rotation pieces. And do we need another guy like a Carson Edwards or a Tremont Waters or whatever at the end of the bench? You know, you know, Shemi, I, I don't think he's coming back. They have Grant Williams there. I mean, do they really need a young guy? I don't think so. They probably need more veteran depth, which is why I think moving Kemba with that pick made a ton of sense. So good Al Horford. Okay. Now look, could they have traded Kemba to Dallas for Porzingis? It's possible. But let me tell you something. You guys remember the last time Al Horford was in town, how many people complained, WEI, about Al Horford's lack of rebounding statistics? Anybody remember that? I do. What if you took Al Horford, made him taller, and worse at rebounding? And was paid more. That's Porzingis. Now, Porzingis is a chain of scenery. Like, maybe it's different. I don't know. But it doesn't seem like Porzingis is a fun guy to play with. I mean, he's been – he was amazing his first couple of years as a Nick. Although he got hurt. It was tough to watch. Uh, but, you know, he kind of left the Knicks in an interesting fashion. Right? There was a little bad blood there. Seems like there's a little bit more bad blood in Dallas already. So – are we really going to trade for – by we, I mean, the Celtics going to trade for Chris Epps Porzingis, who's been a problem in his two stops already at that contract? I don't think so. Trading for Al Horford made sense to me. Was it early? Eh, yeah, I guess. And and the, oh, man, you trade with Sam Preston, your first trade? Oh, that's a good way to get fleeced. It's like, eh, I don't know about that. We'll see with Kemba's health. Again, I wish Kemba all the health in the world. He's a great guy, no question about it. But getting Al Horford makes a lot of sense, right? First and foremost, Al has familiarity with this team and this new head coach, all right? And I think that's really important because if you watch the Seas last year, chemistry looked off. And at least you'll get a guy that will come back and maybe help with the on-court, off-court chemistry in Al Horford. This team needs veteran leadership. We all thought Tristan Thompson would provide that in this offseason, and this would give this team a vet presence. They really need to kick him in the ass. They need it. Well, guess what? I'm not totally convinced it worked. I'm not totally convinced that Tristan Thompson was an amazing teammate, although they'll tell you, this players will tell you that he was, right? We had all the tweets about how, you know, Tristan Thompson is, is a, was a, a good teammate in Boston. I'm not, not totally sure if I buy that, but, you know, I don't think adding an Al Horford, you know, diminishes that. I think it only helps you with your on-court chemistry, right? A veteran who's been there, done that, has been in your locker room before, knows Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, like has connections with those guys. And plus, it helps your front court depth. The Celtics, before this trade, had Rob Williams and Tristan Thompson basically as their front court depth. And whatever, if you want to label Grant as a center, then fine. But their front court depth is very, very thin. Getting Al Horford and Moses Brown at least helps you in that area, all right? It gives you some depth in that position. We'll see what it looks like when the ball gets rolled out, who's playing. But Robert Williams, as we all love him, we do, but he's a little injury prone. We're not sure what his career is going to look like. He's got an extension coming up, so we'll see how that goes. But it's not like he's the most durable guy and reliable guy. I love watching Rob Williams. I want him to play more all the time. He's so much fun. I and mean, even Udoka talked about this, about how they, you know, Rob Williams is a real problem for the Nets in that series when he was locked in defensively. So, you know, they already have a, a high understanding of what Rob can do. But Al Horford's going to be great as a development guy for Rob. They obviously have, you know, chemistry before. I think, that, I think Robert Williams would tell you that having Al back is probably good for him. 
And for Moses Brown too, who needs some seasoning, no question about that. Like he's got all the, the physical attributes you'd want, but he needs more playing time. He needs to be in the ears of some guys. He needs to be developed a little bit more, but there's another guy that you can develop maybe later on the road and have a legitimate center there and some actual depth at that spot. Okay. So besides the fact that Horford is a better fit than Porzingis. And and I'm just going to tell you probably anything that you'd get from the Clippers. It's not like the Clippers have picks to trade. They have none of those. Um, it's probably, again, I think a mid-season deal, not an off-season deal. Um, so, you know, if it's Morris and Beverly, that helps a little bit. But, again, you're still thin at, at the front court, and maybe you can fill that out with, uh, you know, an, uh, some sort of contract you know, vet minimum guy. We'll see what that would look like. But it makes more sense to me to get Al Horford because it helps your chemistry. It gives you some better floor spacing, right, with the Jays because we know Al can stretch it out of three-point range. It's a good passer. is big. Um, it makes more sense. And, you know, was it too early? I don't think so. I really don't. I think they made that move knowing, like, okay, we're going to get a known commodity back and we understand how he functions. Uh, he fits our team. You know, he'll be a good defensive presence for a lot of guys. Um, the, 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 the entire front office and the coaching staff, you know, parts of them are going to be familiar with him. He's not a guy that's going to make a lot of noise in the locker room in terms of, you know, he's not going to be a guy that creates that causes turmoil or anything. He's a good guy to have in the team. Was it too early? I don't know. At, probably, that trade would probably still be there, but be aggressive. Go out there and get your roster set and, and let's, let's be aggressive and get onto things. And we'll wrap up with this. Because this seems to be a little conflicting here. Speaking of Oklahoma City, trading Al Horford, uh, trading for Al Horford to Oklahoma City with Sam Presti. Uh, there's been some conflicting reports here what has happened here with Sam Presti and the Boston Celtics. Right? Kevin O'Connor, the ringer, had a report that there were discussions about Sam Presti maybe coming to Boston to fill the role that Brad Stevens currently has. And Chris Mannix, Bill Simmons on their last podcast said the call never actually happened, right? And I have no sources to tell me anything. Otherwise, the call didn't happen. So I can't really tell you what I know. I'm just going off what these guys have said. But we try and piece the pieces together here, right? Try to get the puzzle totally formed. Um, I understand why Brad gets the spot, right? Brad's under contract, right, for, I think, was it a five-year extension? Five years left, six years left, something like that. So it's a way for you to at least honor that contract and have him actually work for you. Um, I do believe that Brad is burnt out in the coaching ranks from everybody that's talked about this. Uh, you know, and I, I don't think Brad is the only guy that's feeling a little fatigued at this point, but I think that that maybe it, it got to him a little bit. And I do believe that maybe Brad coaches somewhere else at some point in his life. We'll see how it goes. Maybe not. But I do believe that Brad was maybe a little burnt out and there was a way for them to just keep some stability in their organization. Because I do think the Celtics value stability. They look at all these other dysfunctional teams and say, hey, look, the Kings are a mess. Pelicans are a mess. Dallas is a mess. You know, because they have instability within their organization, the Knicks were a mess and we'll see what happens now with their new regime, um, you know, and, and see if that works out. But like a lot of these teams that are dysfunctional are because there's moving parts constantly. And Boston, I think, values the fact that they have the same voices talking all the time. Now, again, we've talked about how that's going to be a bad thing, but I think Wick and his crew like that, right? So promoting Brow is a way to ensure that continuity. Brad knows this, what this roster needs to be better than anybody else. So there's that. But, you know, Sam Presti is, if not the best GM in the league, one of them. I mean, Masai is another guy you're going to rank up there. But I, I would say Sam Presti is very, very close to the tippity top of the run, right? Very, very close to the number one. 
And look, he's, you know, has a lot of ties to the Boston area, right? He comes back for Sloan all the time. I understand the attraction of getting Sam Presti and what he could do with a team that's a little bit more committed to, to winning. I mean, look, the Thunder in rebuild mode right now, and he's doing a great job of acquiring assets. But as Celtics fans, we've seen what happens when you acquire assets and just hope the assets, you know, you get all the lottery luck in the world. But you don't always get that luck. It doesn't always happen, right? Sometimes you trade for that Kings pick. It's top three. Like, oh, yeah, great. This is awesome. Guess what? Ends up being much later in the draft and not the top three guy you wanted. Oh, that Memphis pick. It's unprotected. You know, coming up, it's top this, 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 and this. All these predictions, guess what ends up being? Romeo Langford. And I'm not here to dump on Romeo Langford. Or no, is it uh, Neesmith with the Memphis pick and Langford with the Sacramento pick? One of those two. I'm, you know, it's full of July right now. But it's one of those things where, you know, you hope for a top three pick, it ends up being 14, and you get Romeo Langford or, or Aaron Neesmith. But we'll see. But, like, that's not what you expected when you held these close picks in the first place. So, yeah, the same thing here with Sam Presti, Oklahoma City. You know, they drafted well. They've made a bunch of trades. Let's see what it looks like at the end. I would say, though, you know, having Sam Presti be the the the, the conductor of the train, so to speak, yeah, that's, that's attractive. And if Boston decided to go with Brad because of the continuity over Sam Presti, that's tough for me to swallow. Only because this is a new position for Brad. Meanwhile, Sam, Sam Presti is established. I think Presti is obviously the way to go there. I'm not mad about the Brad thing, about the Brad promotion. I understand it. But, yeah, I agree. If Sam Presti was sitting there and he, from all accounts, would have loved the job, sometimes you got to really go out and, and, and make that home run higher. But, hey, we'll see what Brad can do. I'm excited for him. I'm excited for the offseason. Um, I miss basketball already. Not about you guys, but I totally miss basketball. I wish the Celtics were still playing. But I will enjoy the Suns and the Bucks. I'm on the Suns. But uh, I will enjoy the NBA Finals, and then I will miss basketball incessantly until we get Team USA, and then we get Summer League, and then I can have my basketball fix once again. Shout-out to all you guys for joining me here on today's Fourth of July show. Shout-out to Adam, who had a well-deserved vacation. He'll be back next week with me. Uh, Shout-out to all you guys for listening. Make sure you subscribe to this show on CLNS Media's YouTube channel, of course, on iTunes, on Stitcher, with that YouTube channel where we have a bunch of shorts coming out. We have a bunch of other things besides Open Speed, so there's a good way to get caught up on everything CLNS Media. This show brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Use that promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus for next deposit. I hope you all enjoy for the July holiday. I enjoy chatting with you. Evan Valenti signing off. See you soon.